How do you know you're up to date? When you follow EMS World, you answer that question with confidence. Because when we say EMS World, we mean the whole world of EMS. The remaining question for you is how will you stay up to date? In print, online, at EMS World Expo, the world's largest EMS dedicated conference, and now in a podcast. Welcome to episode five of our podcast series, live from the Expo floor. As we wind down day one of our podcast series, I'm excited to have a very special guest join me. She was my paramedic instructor, a mentor, and she happens to be a very good friend of mine. Jennifer McCarthy is the president of 579 Solutions. She is one of the foremost leaders in healthcare simulation, holding an advanced education credential specific to healthcare simulation. She is one of only 100 people globally to hold this certification. Jen is here to discuss effective simulation and its pragmatic role within the healthcare industry. Jen, thanks for joining me. What an honor, Michael, watching you evolve from that novice student sitting in the classroom giving me a hard time. I don't think I was ever novice, (laughs) but uh, thanks, Jen. It's nice to have you here. So let's just jump into it here. Healthcare simulation, it's so important, and I would argue that it's very misunderstood. So if you would take a minute, just talk to me about why the practice of simulation gets so clumped together. I appreciate this question so much. I think a lot of it goes back to the industry focusing so much on mannequins and simulators as opposed to the entire experience. And when educators and leaders in whatever the healthcare discipline is, but we'll talk about EMS because we're here at EMS World, can uh, adopt best practices in simulation and it it can expand beyond a simulator. It can move into standardized patients, uh, which we've been doing in EMS for years um, with what we would call role play and case portrayal. Um, We could have peer-to-peer practice. We can use our task trainers at a higher efficiency. We also can integrate things on, you know, from an innovative aspect that are emerging like augmented reality, virtual reality. And then of course, there's the almighty hybrid and the hybrid is where we take two or more of these modalities and put them together. But I think the clumping comes together that people focus on that mannequin and don't realize that simulation actually has depth and breadth through all levels of education and onboarding. I think there's a lot of truth to that statement. I think that when people think simulation, it's synonymous with that type of plastic mannequin that lays on a a hospital bed in a room that is simulated to be a hospital. And it just kind of loses the focus of the opportunity that is given with simulation, like you said. So one of the things that I always um, go back to is is the standardized patient and the, the role that that played. Even when I was an instructor with you after I graduated years and years after, We started really evolving the simulation component and with a sim cell and everything else, but the the standardized patient was such an important role in that. So maybe you can explain to the listener a little bit about the standardized patient and what that is and how that makes the whole situation more real. Absolutely. Uh, I, th- I think it's, it's interesting when I look back at where we've traveled, especially in EMS education, where we would mostly use uh, faculty members, friends and family for this role play. The simulation art of a standardized patient is that you actually educate 
a patient uh, to have a case per trial. And it means that you've actually taken the time to develop a case that you actually are educating somebody to portray, but that person has acting skills for realism, enhanced realism. They have uh, feedback and debriefing uh, skill set as well so that they can help the learner transform. They can guide that self-reflective aspect that is so important. But the, the true piece is that the professional skill set of the soft skills as they're often labeled, professionalism, communication, uh, the effective domain that's so important to being a professional can be tested and modified with a standardized patient. It's easy for a participant to detach when it's the plastic, the simulator. It is much more difficult when you have a dynamic, unrolling, live scenario with a patient who is part of that case portrayal. And um, I can't underscore that enough, um, the importance of having a standardized patient pool. There are best practices out there for standardized patients separate from just simulation best practices. So anybody who's listening to the podcast should really immerse themselves in, in that for uh, guidance. How to move forward, how to really embrace this as a science because the science can be transformative for a program, but more importantly for individuals. And it's such an important process, really. It, it, the way you look at it is, sure, you can have um, peer standardized patients and you can have instructor standardized patients, but when you bring in that acting side of it, which, you know, we, we spoke about this, you know, a long time ago about how you started to bring in those folks. They, they take it to another level because they bring about or they elicit that emotional response from the responder that you, like you said, you don't get from the simulator. So when you actually have that emotional component to this, it makes it as real as it can possibly be, correct? Absolutely. And SIM is revered as a teaching, assessment, and research modality. And I think that's an important piece that you're saying. Uh, we spend a lot of time educating our participants, but allowing them the application of what they've learned in a safe environment where everybody should put their seatbelt on, a safe environment to error before you're with a live patient. And so that standardized patient plays a super important role in them applying uh, prioritization skills, critical thinking skills, interview skills, how to keep a straight face when you're in the midst of a situation that often can evoke laughter, but it needs to remain centered because it's an emergency. It's an emergency, excuse me, in somebody's eyes. There's, there's ways and uh, aspects to utilize simulation far beyond a clinical setting as well uh, that I'd love to jump into and, and expand on. Yeah, absolutely, so let, let's do that. So you're, you're involved with so many groups within the healthcare delivery segment. How can SIM be utilized innovatively aside from this standardized patient? Stephen Covey's work is, is powerful, seven habits of highly influential people. He always talks about the end in mind. And I say this to simulationists, educators, leaders, um, when I'm mentoring them or working with them from a consulting perspective. If you have the end in mind and then you bring back the situation to build out the sim, it starts with even 
prepping for the sim? Are they checking their equipment? Are they counting those narcotics, et cetera, et cetera? Are they wearing their uniform the way that they should and would be in a patient care environment? It evolves further to then have a dispatch. How much information do you push to these participants for the realism of wherever the clinician is supposed to function? But beyond clinical scenarios, I'd like the audience to consider the idea of product selection. So we have so many new products out there. Put a team together, talk to the vendors and have them come in. I did this recently at one of my uh, consulting assignments. We, they, they have a, a vast responsibility to choose a new uh, defibrillator for a very large health system. We put critical care teams from every level, EMS all the way to the cath lab to ICU, and they utilize the equipment on a mannequin in a simulation practicing handoff of care with that defibrillator. There's no better feedback. Instead of being in a silo of leadership where we're allowing people to make really important decisions that impact the front lines, we can use SIM to make better decisions where then we have higher job satisfaction. We have less workers comp, we have less call outs. Our investments are actually deeper and stronger through that time. Beyond that, I wanna advocate also for leadership simulation. It is a difficult world out there in healthcare right now. This was difficult prior to COVID, but we're in a healthcare delivery where the way our supervisors and leaders respond is impactful to retention. And loss of retention, especially of talent, costs our organizations. And, and we can simulate scenarios and have a more uh, united culture and response from a leadership perspective. And I think that's a very underutilized area um, for the simulation aspects. Yeah, let me, let me focus on that a little bit more because I think that that is something that there is not a true recognition of. When people think about simulation, especially in healthcare, they think about starting IVs on a mannequin, right? But taking that human element of leadership and putting that into practice in a simulated um, environment where you can have constructive feedback and a debrief will absolutely lend itself to perfection, maybe not perfection, but a better way of providing service, whereas we never did that because we never really gave it any credence. I'd, I'd like to take the two and merge them. Um, I have a, a, a separate client, a second client, where they allowed me and gave me the honor to come in and help select the employees that they were hiring. And we used simulation in an interview process with a rubric and a grading. And then they kept me engaged in the project to onboard these very people that were selected using simulation. And what we were able to do is, is really infuse the culture and policy and practice of that organization. So it didn't matter if somebody came in with three years of experience or 10, we were able to say this is how we do it here at this organization and this is important because this is our policy our practice this is the equipment that we use so it went well beyond the uh, clinical side of how do you utilize x stretcher and how do you decontaminate the back of, you know, what is the policy? It was about when do we speak up? How do we speak up? Um, if there's a near miss error, how do we practice in sim of the culture of this organization to make sure we are evolving from a quality assurance and improvement perspective and driving a practice of culture of safety? 
that is one of my most recent amazing clients where I said, this is, this is, there's something with this. And having those leaders side by side, helping me build that out uh, is frankly priceless because this, this uh, patient safety focus goes beyond the patient. When we can have patient safety, we have clinician safety. And clinicians have second victim syndrome when they have errors or near errors. So simulation is a key way to retain talent and have people conform to how you need the, your organization um, having them as your representation out there. But it also makes them part of the process. Um, I, sure. I firmly believe that if, if you're going down the road of simulating certain circumstances and you're giving constructive feedback to those individuals, certainly people will complain and, and because it's uncomfortable, right? Yeah. Nobody, is, nobody likes to be put in uncomfortable, vulnerable positions. But if you really want to get the best out of someone, that's where you need to put them. And to, to work through that vulnerability is everything. But... We know that it works, and we know that it is likely the best way to get to the end point that we're looking for, but there is always a cost factor. There's right? always. As with everything in healthcare, <laughs> there is always a cost factor. So the thing that will always be asked by administration and finance is, what is my ROI? What is my return on investment for this? Before I jump to ROI, I just want to do my Brene Brown shout out about vulnerability and her definition. If you're not familiar with her, look her up. Great podcast books yeah, on, on vulnerability. Um, but, but her vulnerability uh, quote is that uh, vulnerability is the birthplace of innovation, creativity, and change. And when I think of the best clinicians, regardless of area of delivery and patient care, they are innovative, creative, and change based on the patient presentation. So vulnerability is important. Very quickly related to ROI, I love this question. Uh, all of my finance people out there, anybody making a pitch to somebody in finance, it's about return on education, which has a larger cast uh, to, to a uh, larger net to cast out. When we're looking at uh, patient safety, we're looking at avoiding risk. There's a, there's a cost to risk. So if we know that an error has X cost to it, by us utilizing simulation, we have the indirect benefit of the reduction in that risk. Unfortunately, in ROI, it's a very linear. You spend X dollars on this piece of equipment, show me how I'm going to get my return on that. You need to bring indirect revenue into the discussion when it comes to simulation because it's impacting things that are indirect, like retention of talent. The average cost is eight to $10,000 per employee to onboard them to an organization. If they leave prematurely, you've made an investment in somebody that you haven't had the return on your investment. That's very linear. But when we utilize simulation, we have the return on education that you have them in the organization, but now they understand your culture, which goes well beyond other aspects of positive revenue stream. Well, let's take it even further. Healthcare simulation was born from aviation simulation. Indeed. Right? And why was that? 
the the error rate you know right. when we look back in in the 80s there were airplane crashes uh, all based in rel relatively all based in uh, miscommunication and hierarchy failed, and failed communication <laughs> yeah, no, no communication yeah no commu well the captain two rules captain it. is right rule number two see, rule number one see rule number one <laughs> i see number that's one that's it Right. So um, I think when we look at EMS reimbursement, back to this discussion on finance, customer satisfaction and patient satisfaction is here. It's in front of our face. How are we ensuring that this investment is having a return? Because you're going to be measuring satisfaction with that standardized patient pool, with uh, the aspect of those professional skills that somebody can stay in their professional senses, even when it is the most of situations. That is going to be your patient satisfaction feedback that's going to have your reimbursement increase. And simulation is at the core of explaining and immersing your employees into, into why is this important? Why does this matter? Why does this matter to us? I, I like to I like to refer to it as intangible equity. Yeah, right? I love because that. Because th these are things that mean so much, mm -hmm. but they, you're not going to find them on a balance sheet. And so that is why this, t this modality of simulation is so important in healthcare because user error happens all the time mm -hmm. and how do we cut back on that and what's the most effective way to achieve it. And certainly simulation and what you are doing is making you know, huge impacts. So Jen, super insightful as always. Um, this is the future of education delivery, uh, in my opinion, yes. and I'm, I know your opinion. Um, and it's really important that we get this out to the key stakeholders so that they realize that buying into this simulation practice is what's going to drive better medicine and better outcome. Completely agree uh, with your with your vision and summary. I'd like to make one last advocation for certification, accreditation, best practice adoption, that all the material is out there. You just have to do a little bit of the legwork and there's plenty of organizations to help you do that. There's an EMS affinity group through the Society for Simulation with 2,500 members worldwide ready to answer questions in an open forum. Uh, it is about helping each other and mentoring through that visionary spirit. So thank you so much for this opportunity. It's always great to spend time with you. Jen, you're the best. Thank you so much for bringing the goods and breaking it down for the listener. And thanks for listening to episode five, ending day one, live from the expo floor. Stay tuned as we are rolling out 13 episodes during these three days. I'm your host, Mike McCabe. Thanks for tuning in. This has been an episode of EMS World Podcast. You can find this audio and more like it on the podcast page of emsworld.com. You can also follow EMS World on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram.